racing everywhere. Oh, who else? McDonald, Tim Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, episode number 137. The Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast is two blokes that have known each other forever, who catch up most days in the Melbourne CBD for lunch. Who am I kidding? We haven't done that in ages to talk everything Essendon Footy Club. My name is Grant and with me is Scott. Hello, everyone. Uh, Good to be back. Uh, Two wins in a row, so it's always nice to do a show after a win. Uh, One thing I will say is I probably watched, obviously because of lockdown, I probably watched about five or six games this week. Uh, and I can confidently say that all those games were absolute rubbish. Super uh, <laughs> mega fugly. So, you know, I know there's the narrative of, you know, I've been seeing it like uh, Essendon, you know, they're going to play better than that if they're going to play finals. But I must admit, I watched nearly every team this weekend. And whether what's happening nationally and the changes and, and everything like that. When they say the game's 95% above the shoulders, I think there's a whole lot of players out there that are just a little they're bit on. Different. I reckon they're over it. Yeah. I think they're over it. Um, and I thought the standard of football dropped considerably this weekend. And, and, you know, obviously Essendon came out flat. Um, and I thought if I'm being very honest, that last half an hour when the leaders stood up and, and you will talk about it uh, later on with the Parish Merritt and Wright and Stringer, and I'll include Heppel with that as well. I thought, you know, we had uh, a really pleasing response to a game. We didn't come out at all, on, you know, with, with much energy and, and just mentally just making mistakes that we, we haven't, I think, for most of the year and even with energy for most of the year. And, and like Truck said in the presser, he said, and which I really like, uh, in the main break, the, some of the leaders put their hand up and said, no, you know, we're not playing up to the standard we deserve. Um, and, and they corrected that and then they, they got on a roll and they beat North Melbourne by three goals. So considering everything that's happened on the weekend and, and what I saw nearly all the teams dish up, uh, I've got to say for Essendon to win, come out on top um, in a home, you know, in a, what's meant to be a Marvel game up in Queensland uh, in a ground that we haven't won the last five games at, uh, I, I'm actually pretty happy to be honest. I, I, we're in the eight and, and I think – after round 18, and you got to remember the first two rounds, we had the tragic loss to Hawthorne. Then we went to Port Adelaide and actually got hammered. Pumped. Yep. Uh, and then Colwell, Shield, and Draper all went down. Long-term injuries, we've got to remember that. Um, and there was Norton too, and it wasn't looking pretty uh, uh, because some of our stars had gone down, some of our hopeful, you know, Draper being our, our future Ruckman. All, all 10 week at least plus injuries. Um, I thought, oh no. But for us to be in the eight after round 18 with the amount of interstate and interruption games this team has had to play. And being the second youngest team in the AFL. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think this year actually has been incredible. And I am. You know, I'm not trying to be over the top. I know people go, oh, but I'm sorry. This team has been fantastic this year uh, and how they've represented the club, 
how they've nearly every week uh, shown up and 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 had pride in their performance at some point. Um, and I know not everything works. So you have quarters where we've had seven goals kicked against us. That's a young team. That's a roller coaster. I get it. AFL football, yep. But you know, when you know mid year when we had to go to the Perth hub and everything like that to win six of the last nine games uh, and steer this whole year around. Uh, to where we're actually an opportunity to play finals football, um, you know. I, 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 you know. To be honest, I take my hat off to all the players, the staff, uh, and you know, small things um, that I notice culturally with this club. When you're singing the song and you're not, and you're singing the song with McGrath live from his hotel, and they're all looking at him and and waving and smiling and and the joy that they got. From that and from the win, um, uh, you know, you had uh, another great recruiting coup in San Durham who looks like a really good future player at age 20. Looks like, looks like a player. Uh, you know, it's been a fantastic year and I know we didn't play up to our normal standard, but when the game had to be won, the leaders stood up and they won the game and I couldn't be happier. With these, with these sort of, I mean, if... I love the way I'm about to brush over the fact that we had to fly interstate again, right? Like we'd, we got to fly interstate again to play at another ground that we don't usually play at. And um, <coughs> excuse me, at a, at a moment's notice, the boys have just got to jump on a plane. But I guess if you put that to, side, to the side for one moment, these sort of games where we're playing a side that's not real special at the moment in North Melbourne, and it's a game where we've Cunnington out, um, and was it Jed Anderson as well, Scott? That was well, he, out. He was he was talked about as possibly coming in, but he didn't get up. Okay, cool, right. So him being out as well, um, they're dramatically understaffed, and they're not real special at the moment. So it's one of those games where, and but and the other thing with North is that they've beaten a few people recently. So they they might be a little bit up and about, but they're still not a real special footy side. It's a danger game. It's a game that we really should win. And you should win comfortably and you move on. But as it showed when we went up there, sometimes you can play down to the level of your opponent. And that's what we did. For three, three and a half quarters, probably, we played down to their level. And we were no good. Um, and Wallet wasn't getting hold of it and Smith wasn't getting hold of it. The back line that was just wide open and on the transition and stuff. And we were no good. But, and here comes the big B-U-T, like Scotty said, it is a sign of maturity in my humble um, experience that when you can be playing bad like that, someone senior, and it's generally the senior blokes that do it in Jakey Stringer and Merritt and Parrish now, you've got to put him in the senior list because he's that good now. Um, uh, Parrish, Merritt, Stringer, um, even, the Ridley, even the captain, they, yeah, and don't forget the man, um, Heppel. They just must have just said, Right, uh, uh-uh, no, 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 that's enough of that, and we're going to do what we need to do now to get over the line. Now, you could mount an argument that that could have been effective as of bounce number one, <laughs> but <laughs> but it wasn't. Um, but it is a really good sign to, to show that we have the kind of ability to switch gears. Um, when it is genuinely required, should we have been, should we have left it that late? No way. But it, we've got a gear in the bag, so to speak, in the um, in the little hip kick um, that allows us to take another step and to beat 
the teams that we're supposed to beat in the North Melbournes of the world. So, look, it was a super fugly game of footy. The whole round was a super fugly game. I, I really agree with what you said, Scotty, and that I think it's not just affecting, like you could see Jake when he said, oh, man, I'm just enjoying playing with the boys, but it's just another occasion where I've got to leave the family and I've got to do all this. And I, I reckon it is starting to, not starting, it is now officially affecting um, the players and their ability to play because that was a that was a strange game of footy from us. Um, thank goodness. It's a strange the round. Yeah, it was a strange round of footy. I got- strange, totally strange round of footy. And you've got to put it down to the fact that you get a phone call at 9 a.m. Um, to get yourself ready, get your gear, and meet us at Tullamarine in four hours um, because you'll be on a plane in, in an hour after that. So, yeah, it was a strange win, but it was a – you can look at it negatively and say, oh, the boys better improve on that. Yeah, yep, 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 definitely. Boys need to improve on that. I'll agree. But we did what we needed to do to win. Sides that aren't progressing or sides that are in trouble – could have potentially lost that game when we really should have won it, but we didn't. So I think on the podcast tonight, we're taking a cautiously optimistic approach to that game. Well, I mean, West West Coast, what we needed to. Like the previous week, West Coast were up by a couple of goals with like 15 or so minutes to go. Like they're up by, uh, and they didn't have the leaders to stand up and North Melbourne ended up winning that game. Uh, and yeah. so you got the same scenario again. North Melbourne came up strong from the start. They were full of confidence, and you could tell. They were in the first quarter, they were, they were really going to take it up to us. They were, hit, they were hitting their targets. They were running. I mean, we were jogging a bit, but they were running through us pretty easily. Um, but the when the same scenario happened again, our leaders just said, nah, it's not happening. So it's- I thought Paris should merit... Um, you know, and Stringer, just were unbelievable. And there's another guy I'm going to mention by the name of Two Meter, which we'll mention in the other break, but he was he, – he's a different category because he played well the whole game. Um, and and I'm, I give him a lot of kudos. From the, from the word – from the first minute, he was he was probably the only player that was on song. Uh, Mate, covered ground, kicked goals, took marks, picked it up off the deck. Um, the seven-seater um, split system heater – he uh, he's did extremely well. Yeah, so look, we'll go to a break and we'll start sort of uh, going through some of the players and our thoughts. So uh, see you after the break. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then, Scotty, who took your eye um, in this game? It's a bit of a bit of a tough one. We know the we know the real names like the Jakey kicking four and and that sort of stuff. But is there anybody that sort of caught your eye that was sneaky good? Yeah, it's a tough game to assess. Um, look, we'll get to the the obvious stars, uh, and we've obviously spoken a little bit about them. One guy just going a little bit under the radar. And I think he's in and out of the side this year, and and he's not doing much wrong. Is Guelphy? Uh, and I know that's a fir- unusual first name to start with, but yeah, I think I think he has played his role pretty well every time he's come in. He's full forward, 
Yeah, back. Full, full of energy. I think he's had 17 or 18 disposals, kicked a really nice goal. Um, but I, I think he's the kind of live wire that we kind of needed in that game there where he's he's up and about, energetic. Um, and so, look, I think he's had a better year than maybe what some may think. Uh, I think in, he probably deserves a little bit of assurance in game time with us having some injuries. I reckon. But, I mean, the, the disappointing thing for Guelph is that I think he's – he is a top-up guy for the Dons. They they regard him as a Mr. Fix-It top-up guy. And if Shield called well, Langford, um, we're all ready and raring to go. Um, and yeah. Zach, Zach Reed, and, and I don't know that he gets a game, which is, it's really, it's a bit sad. I'd, I'd, mate, I'd have him as a required footballer at our club. I really would, because he's been the sub, for goodness sake. He's come in a quarter and turned an entire game. And dominated. He's kicked goals forward. He's tackled down back. He's done. I'm not sure he's done anything wrong. Like he, he does. Whenever he comes into the side, he does a job for you. And they're very valuable footballers to have. I actually like sometimes when they drift him forward. And I think he's got a high pressure game. I mean, sometimes I feel like he's doing more the Devin Smith things that I'm hoping from Devin Smith. Than uh, Devin Smith is doing, yes. Uh, and I know Devin Smith does chase and tackle. And I get all that. But I... Uh, uh, no doubt he has far more potential to be more involved in the games than what he's giving us. Do you know what um, uh, Matt Guelphie does have um, a lot better than um, Devin Smith at the moment? <laughs> Team focus and self-control. Not giving away 50-metre <laughs> bloody penalties by punching people. <laughs> yes. I'm not sure if Dev suddenly has a larger, I don't know, impression of himself than he once did for some reason, but... I'm not sure why he believes that punching people behind the 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 play and and giving away fifties like he has recently. And we had the ball, like when he did it, we had the ball flowing down to the forward line, and that yeah. that's the ones I go. Gee, as a coach, you must be livid because you've got you've got we had just m- multiple players running down the wing, heading towards our forward line. And he behind the play, he he swings an arm and say, like, "Oh man, yeah, come I, on, I don't man. know, mate. I, I don't know if Dev all of a sudden got a bit of an ego out of somewhere for some reason, but he's currently not matching the ego that we're seeing out of Devon at the moment. Now, I love Devon because he's all go. Sometimes he chases and he, he's all effort and he's bloody good around goals. I'll give him that." Like the last few weeks, mate, I'm sorry, Dev, your, your ego's writing checks. Your performances aren't matching just at the moment. So I reckon Dev just needs to calm down a bit. Yeah. Um, and just if he's playing in the forward 50, how about you kick three? Like let's, let's, let's kick three and silence a few people before we start swinging arms. If you're going to niggle somebody, I learned how to niggle somebody at South Croydon bloody juniors and get away with it. You don't walk around punching people with 15 umpires on a field and cameras everywhere. No, well, it's, it's, it's that fine balance of playing on the edge but and knowing having the self-control. Punching people on the chest yeah. is not the edge. No, no, exactly. The edge is giving them, a, giving them a rib niggle when you're in the pack and you're just giving them a bit of an ankle tap or a bit of a something like that. Like that stuff, man, you, you learn playing against some dodgy team in the EDFL. You don't walk around punching people and think you're going to get away with it. So I must admit, I would like, I'd much prefer Dev when he's chasing and kicking goals just quietly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like I said, for me, Guelphie was the example of how you go about it. 
Um, uh, terrific game. Uh, look, uh, I thought, I thought, at, at like half time, I actually had Heppel almost best on ground. Um, yeah, he was. Jeezy's good down there this year. Like he's, he does. He's a serious yeah. footballer now. Yeah, he. I mean, to even get on the scoreboard and kick a goal for us, and that was a really good. I mean, pretty courageous act, and he obviously got a fifty and and score. But we needed a bit of leadership right at that moment too. Um, and that's you know, I think he's had a terrific year as as captain and player. Uh, so uh, he's another one I want to shout. Out. I mean, obviously he's got the thumb injury, so I mean, I guess it, you know, twenty seven disposals and and I and you know for that that's a pretty good return uh, game. Oh, uh, from, he was from, he was in a hospital seven days before that or something. Yeah. Exactly. So, look, it, there's a lot of players. I mean, there's almost 10 or 12 players. I'm probably not going to mention this game because they're just well and truly not in the well, game. Well, I mean, like you said, we, we can – and you're right. I mean, we, we were sort of saying about this podcast tonight about <laughs> – it's a, it's a tricky one to sort of talk about because so many players played very differently to their capabilities and got very minimal possessions and were very minimally involved in the overall outcome of the game – it's basically the players you know of: Merritt, Parish, Wright, Hooker, uh, um, Heppel, and um, Jakey Stringer. Yeah, it was pretty much won us the game. It was interesting the coaches' votes having a a tied best on ground between Stringer, Parish, and Merritt, and that's yeah. that was the reality of what had happened. I uh, Parish just you know, I thought the first half it was like oh he's doing okay, and then he just stepped up big time: eight clearances, nine score involvements. Um, and just, yeah, got, got, and then Merritt absolutely went insane the second half. I mean, he was, he's having a, I love that extra gear. I know people, people tell me, oh, like, oh, Parrish is going to win the, uh, the Crichton. I swear Merritt is just right there with him neck and neck. Yeah, uh, I agree. Yep. Uh, because Merritt just keeps doing this every game. Like it's very rare for him to get under 25 disposals. He's, he's, he's high pressure. Um, he's one of the few guys that's hitting guys and, you know, on the lead, he had a, a couple of nice passes to Hooksy. Uh, so Merritt, I had BOG um, myself. I actually had a bit of controversy. I actually had Peter Wright two votes and, and I had Stringer one vote. Now that leaves Parrish out, which is very harsh. Dude, um, that's harsh. But I, I and, and I probably understand Parrish maybe in the end maybe got should have got in there. But I must admit, I'm giving Peter Wright one because I'm just it's almost like encouragement. But but I thought he was one of the few players that played four quarters. Kicked so net. if we if we talk about the, the two meter seven seater split system heater Peter. <laughs> Any other rhymes you want to go with? No, I just <laughs> have a talent for rhyme. Yes, yes. Some of the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> excellent. If anybody knows that reference. Princess Bride reference. Oh, sorry. Oh, I gave it away. Now, dude, we're just going to go with the fans. But anyway, um, two-meter, seven-seater, the split system heater that is Peter Wright. Um, 20 possessions, 75% accuracy, three goals one, and ran close to, if not damn it, the most distance of any Essendon footballer on the field. 14K or something. Heps beat him by 0.2 of a kilometre. Now, I'll tell you what. The one thing I loved about Peter Wright, three goals run one, mate. If he's if he's marking them in and around 50, they look very pretty coming off the foot. 
he, he lays that dirty, great, big two-meter foot into the ball. It stays kicked. It looks very, very pretty. But the thing that I was impressed with him about was around the ground. Yeah, he had 10, he had 10 hit outs as well, by the way. 10 hit outs and around the ground. Like he's, he's, he's done everything balls. this game. Yeah. yeah, picking balls up off, off the ground. And sure, he's not picking balls up the ground and bloody running across the field and kicking goals. But he gets the ball up off the ground. He gets it to the guy that he needs to. And he doesn't make mistakes. I tell you what, another perfect selection from the big red fire engine he is, I reckon Gold Coast must be looking at him going, great. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> now you do it. Uh, that Now you do it. But I reckon just this club and, and Ben Rutten and the coaching staff has brought it out of that guy. Yeah. Massively highly touted as a junior. Two metres tall, can kick like that, can run like all day. <clears throat> and it's taken coming to Essendon to get it done. So I, I've got Parry, I've got um, Peter Wright or... At one, <laughs> oh, it's not easy because it was is yeah. And again, I, I'm with you. I, I've got to have merit in there because he was just dominant. He was utterly dominant. But you've yeah. almost got. I've almost got Parish and Merritt at three. Sorry, Parish and Merritt equal two. Jakey Stringer kicking four goals was the difference. I mean, he's like won, the man. Stringer's won you the game, so he he probably has he every has right to be to. three himself. Absolutely. So three for Jake Stringer, equal two for Merritt and Parrish, um, and the seven-seater Massive Peter at number one for mine. Yeah, and that's that's probably how it goes. And that's in some ways that's how the coaches' votes went. I mean, it was yeah. it was those three, and then Peter Wright was just uh, just behind him on two and, two and votes three goals. Left. One man, geez, if he kicked four goals, one does he deserve? Oh, if he kicked that last goal, yeah, because he had a shot in the last in the last quarter, and that would have been one each quarter. If he kicked that and. I mean, Jakey Stringer won us like he won us the game. He was incredibly good, but kicked the same amount as Jakey. Does he deserve to be oh, up yeah. the chain a bit? Yeah, because the funny part with Jakey, right? He, he's the match winner, but he, he dead set went quiet for sixty minutes of the game. Like yeah, he just had, <laughs> like he was on seven possessions from almost halfway through the first quarter to halfway through the third quarter. Like nothing happened. But, but geez, you got to love him, don't you? But when. But when the uh, Hollywood lights went up and said, oh, can, any, can, can we find a hero here? Can somebody <laughs> help a brother out? He's just, he's just going, yes, baby. Yes, you can. <laughs> Let me in there. And the, like the package just comes out. And like he, he he reminds me to a sort of a lesser extent that a mate of mine, Matt Collins, who'll be absolutely cacking himself that I just mentioned him on the podcast. Um, he tells me that he's a massive tennis fan. Um, and he tells me back in the day that Roger Federer had an extra gear. And I, I, you apply that to sort of the, the real serious champions, the Federer's, the Jordans, the um, those kind of guys. They've got an extra gear that everybody else doesn't have. And sometimes, and I'm not putting Jake Stringer in the same breath as Roger Federer. I think that's probably a smidge distance <laughs> between the two. Um, but Jake Stringer does have a dusty, cometh the moment, cometh the man about him. Yeah. If you said, Jakey, we've got 30 seconds. I'm going to put you in the middle. I need you to get the ball. I need you to burst out of the middle and kick me a goal. Jake would be rubbing his hands together because he'll be going, absolutely, I'll do it. It's done. I'll get it done. So Jakey absolutely won the game for us. But, geez, I'll tell you what, two-meter Peter didn't get them all in one hit, but Jakey flicked a switch. and I would, Look, I would go as far to say that the last five weeks – Jake Stringer 
is in the top six or seven players in the AFL the last six weeks. Because uh, he's we doing he's this. doing everything at the moment. He's doing mid forward. I mean, he's still kicking everything. goals and he, and getting clearances. And but he I can't he, believe his longevity at the moment. Oh, like he, he, yeah, he's it's, doing everything. Like he's and I t- <laughs> the the cynic in me says that Jakey's negotiating a contract right now. <laughs> but and has been for six weeks. Yes, and has been for six <laughs> weeks. Funny that. Um, but if that's the case, mate, you're on a you're on a ten week contract, mate. Well, yeah, the problem is, yeah, the problem for him is you've just told every fan of what you can do. Uh, so we're not letting that down. <laughs> like, no, so, sorry, Jake. We need that every single we, week, mate. We and need, yeah, it's, it's, I, I, if that's I how good you are, then, uh, that's then, it. then bring it because uh, you're going to be a huge factor for success for us in big moments in, in finals. Hugely, and especially in finals when you need someone um, to step up. I mean, we don't, we're not just going to go right, I step back and just let Jakey do it. But I'll tell you what, it's going to make a hell of a lot of opposing coaches worry that in the last minutes, if we need a goal, you'd better chuck two people on Jake Stringer because you're going to need to. Um, but I, the other thing with Jake is that his his um, longevity at the moment, meaning Jakey's had some injuries. He's been in for a few weeks and then he's been out for like one or two. And yeah. But, mate, he's strung, what, six games, seven games, eight games in a row now? I think so, about eight or nine, yeah. Yeah, eight or nine when he's he's getting possessions, he's kicking goals, 17, four goals, one, 70% efficiency. Um, and there's no secret there's no secret with one six of the last nine either. Without No, with then, because he's been in there. Yeah, yeah. He's a massive yeah. player for us. He and really is. It, it just, he's he's very good. Like the boy is very good. <laughs> and I, I said to Scotty last night, I said, ah, just pay him. Uh, seriously, pay him. And the, 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 the Dons are sitting there right now going, yeah, but if we give him his six years like he wants or five years or whatever he wants, he might tail off a little bit because he knows he's got a guaranteed contract and might tail off a little bit towards sort of year five or year six and we might not get the super jakey that we've just been getting. But frankly, I don't care. Um, I, I you, Under no circumstances should that guy be let go because he is – one of very oh, very few players. It's impossible to let him go now. Like it's 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 in yeah. I mean he's he's winning you games. Uh, one uh, of very few footballers that can win a game for you off his own right boot, and they're like hen's teeth. And I I know he left the dogs reasonably controversially, um, but those kind of pickups. Thank you, Adrian Dodoro. Um, those kind of pickups for a player like that is just worth its weight in gold. Yep. Hey, now, hey um, what do you reckon? We come back from a break and there's a, uh, a player I want to ask you about who I don't think we've been particularly fond of of late that we might need to slightly change our opinion. Intriguing. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Now then, now then, Scotty, there's a player that we've played over the last couple of weeks that, if we're 100% honest, I don't know that we've been his biggest fan um, in the games that he's played to date. But how have you seen um, the, the, the Cutler Kitty going over the last few weeks that he's been playing? Uh, 
if I'm being honest and everyone knows that I am not a big fan, but I've got hand on heart, I always say I'll be honest and upfront. He's actually played well for two weeks. Uh, he's yeah. actually done pretty well. He's running the lines really well for us. He's never going to be a contested beast, but um, we really needed with the Langford injury someone to run on the wing, run down the run down the line, um, and 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 I know he's playing a little bit half back as well, but I I actually think he's been quite solid. All credit to him, and and you know, you know, I when I say you know. I've really struggled with him. I think his performances have justified my concerns, but I'm always open to be to be surprised and and for a guy to turn his career around. I love guys that turn their career around, like Peter Wright, we've been talking about. Yeah. And, and Tommy Cutler the last two weeks, he's definitely added something to the side and to help us win. And all credit to him. He has assets. Like, I mean, we've like you said, we haven't been the massive fan of Tommy because he's afraid of a decent wind blowing across the ground, let alone a contest. But um, I just think he's utilized his skills in the game to best suit himself. Like he, I don't know that he's been in many massively contested ball situations. He's, he's been that outside player. He's been the player to uh, in the link up situation where someone's handballed it to him and he's been able to use those decent legs of his. He's quick. Yeah, he's a yeah, big, him. tall. He 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 gobbles up thirty meters very quickly. Um, Absolutely. And, and and you know, and defenses have to react to that. And he's got yeah. a sixty meter kick, so he can have a ninety meter play in five se- in five seconds. So massive fan of the way he's going about it. And the maybe I don't know. It'd, it'd be interesting to um to talk to um I don't know maybe say Daniel G and Syracuse. What about that? That'll be interesting to talk to. Anyway, we might have an announcement about that later. Um, <laughs> but it might be interesting to talk to the club or something like that about how they best try and use Tommy Cutler because the man has assets. He's tall. He's got a massive boot. He can, like you said, chew up those 30 to 50 metres nice and quick. And I'm, I'm, we, we haven't been his massive fan, but again, more than happy to have you in there, Tommy, if you're pulling out. Where are we? 19 possessions. Um, decent amount of uh, marks, handball, 78% efficiency. Not bad, Tommy. Um, ticking along nicely. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, he, yeah, two tackles too, which is not, um, yeah. I mean, he, 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 I thought he was really good the week before and I thought he was solid this game. So, uh, you know, it's going to take that. Like we took, we spoke last week, uh, and I'm not sure we actually did this, but when we said, you know, with Langford down, we need all those bottom six to eight plays to really, yeah. and, and and you know, let's mention another guy, Braden Ham, along with Cutler, who who obviously was a late call-in because of the Jones situation. Um, and again, he, he's kicked a, a really important goal, had 15 or 16 touches, contributed to the game, helped us win the game. Yeah. And that's what you really needed. I mean, it was it was funnier. There was a lot of unsung heroes. It was like the if you you kind of said our top four players were really good, and our bottom five players oddly <laughs> were quite good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Guelphie and Ham and Cutler. They they were actually the ones who 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 gave us a lot of drive and and really wanted to perform. So when we needed it, 
And it's interesting you say that because, I mean, the Guelphies, the Cutlers and the Hams and those guys, they didn't, they didn't have best on ground performances, but they, they really contributed to the club. And I guess you look at the one, two, three, four, five, six um, footballers that I'm about to re- read out that have possession counts of between nine and five in Laverde, Perkins, Waterman, Draper, Smith, and Tip and Woody, very down on their normal outputs, very down. So it was good to see the second tier players, the guys that aren't at the tippity tip top of our list. In and out of the uh, side, yeah. Yeah, in and out of the side, actually stepping up and doing something because, I mean, Laverde was great in defense when the ball was down there doing the one-on-one thing and stuff. But, geez, we were very porous um, on the way back on the on the two way um on the two way defense thing. And when you've got what Laverde with nine, Perkins with nine, Waterman with nine, Draper with eight, Smith with six, and Waller with five, that's a lot of players well and truly down on output. And that's one of the main reasons why we were um we're still fighting it out in the second half of the last quarter. Yeah. And look even even lastly to that, you can add a fourth person, I reckon, to the in and out squad and Sam Durham. Uh, for his first game. Yes. I mean, he, I know he had <laughs> a bad kick for goal. Uh, and I, that was, that will never happen again. Uh, he's a bit, he's a very, very good kick. Um, oh, you know, obviously first game nerves fine. Uh, but I thought outside of that, he, he looked really balanced. Um, he kind of felt like he had a real presence in the game and he had a critical play. I mean, it was eight points the difference. North were coming. North having a shot, 25 out in front. It was going to go through for sure. Yep. And Durham comes in from the side and smothers it. And we rebound and score. That's, you know, that's that gets you games, man. The coach, <laughs> coach sees that and says, head over the ball, smother. Uh, do the That's a tough one percenter. Kid, uh, I, I hope on the back of that he gets a game again. Oh, I, I don't. He did not look out of place, did he? No, not on the wing. He had a he had a bit of Kieran Spawn about him on the outer wing with that hairdo. But oh, Kieran Spawn. Um, but uh, yeah, he uh, he, he didn't look out of place for me. He was he was kind of that, um, kind of it was kind of kind of that graceful moving wing player. Um, he does have a touch of the smooth across yeah. the ground, doesn't he? And, and and he's a good mark overhead too. I mean, he's so young that. You know, I think another four or five kilos under this frame, and he's going to be a very good player. And I think and he is, like you say, he's only what twenty or nineteen or I something. I think he's like only twenty years old. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, man. Um, again, we found another player. Uh, Thank you to... <laughs> to. Thank you to. The big red fire engine, is that what you're saying? The big red fire engine and his team of champions <laughs> in the recruiting uh, division of Essendon, Rob Forster Knight, and the lady that works in there whose name escapes me, um, mate, just plucks another one, just grabs the half decent another one. People will give it no credit whatsoever that he's probably been watching that kid for 10 weeks and just going to go, I'm going to snavel this bloke and no one else knows about it except the big red fire engine choo-choos his way down to Richmond, pulls up at um, Burnley Station, says, we'll have you, Mr. Durham, a thanks for coming, and you can just be a decent performer on our list. 
just another day at the job for the fire engine. I drew a, I went to check his age right, and I don't know who people know Footy Wire. It's you, you know you go to advanced stats. They've yeah. put, they've put in the wrong date, so they've got him born July 9th, two thousand twenty. And because the calculation is is done automatically when they've entered that date, I've looked down and it says his age one year no month. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very developed kid. <laughs> yes, um, it's a big baby, mate. Um, that's a big baby right there. No. Decent right boot for a one-year-old. Yeah, so you you add him during Guelphie uh, and Ham and Cutler. I mean, we've had just the guys who who've been VFL in some ways um, do a big game for us uh, and, and get us out of a hole as well yeah. as much as the leaders have. So yeah, I mean, Truck would be you know, so happy to see that. So I think, and you're right. I mean, we can, you can look at this game as a bit of a, as a bit of a negative and that we didn't perform very well um, for the vast majority of the game. But I reckon, um, I reckon my little personal reckon is that truck and the team will be looking at that going all things being equal, dragging them away again, chucking them in a hotel room Um Look, I reckon some of the boys enjoyed potentially the beach um, at surface a little more than they should have. Maybe their minds were still on surface uh, paradise sort of beach when they turned up at the game. But all things being equal, the ultimate goal is to beat a side like North. Get in, get out, beat them, go home. Yeah. Right. And ultimately that's what they did because Six weeks from now, no one's going to remember the game. All you're going to see is a W. And I bet your truck in the post-game review with all the players would have said, all right, boys, you can't do that again. You can't, like, again, you you can maybe do it against North because they're a bit PWO at the moment, but you can't do it. However, damn good effort. It's why we have veterans at the club. It's why we don't trade away players that have played bloody 200 games because they do stuff like that. They step up when required and they can help you win a game. And did you know what they, they actually um, moved the whole team is now got a new hub in Noosa. <laughs> so they all, moved them again. They've said so they moved to, to Noosa now. I think at the club's request, I think I, I, I've got the funny feeling that um, they didn't want to just be in a high rise hotel kind of situation um, that they, they want can... to be able to get out into the grounds or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which you completely understand. Like I, I saw, remember, I remember people were complaining that the AFL footballers had the ability to go out in surface and stuff. Why are they, why is um, Harry Jones out in surface or why are they out? Guys, you got to understand, like you, you can't just take players from their home and what they're used to in Melbourne and just plonk them in a hotel room. And leave them there like you cannot leave the room, and then expect them to come out mentally well to be able to play a game of AFL football at a high level. You've got to give these athletes, these little stallions, people that are built and literally trained for high performance, you can't keep them cooped up. Like me, you can, my huge fat ass, you can you can keep me cooped up and I'll thank I'll thank it very much. However, with a young kid like Durham who wants to play AFL footy and something, you've got to have them to allow them to be out and about. So it's good to hear that they'll be able to have a wander around in Noosa. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Noosa's not that far away, really, from Gold Coast. No, so it's not. It's like no. half an hour's drive, if I remember. Half I think it might be, unfortunately, a um, 
a concession by um, Xavier that we're staying up there. That's what I kind of read between the lines. Uh, And look, what do you think of that? Because I, it's funny because uh, on Twitter today, there was a lot of frustration um, that we are the only Melbourne club that's been forced to not play in Melbourne. And we've got two, obviously three games meant to be coming up in Marvel, two of them being home games. Uh, it is, a, it is, it doesn't seem right because of the schedule we have. I understand the GWS in Sydney uh, situation and them being, think them being away, but yep. it just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't feel right can with I, the draw we've had. Can I raise something that might be a factor? Let me know what you think. Would there be any, any, for the justification to take us up there, the only Melbourne club up there, would there be any contributing factor that, A, as a club, we're very professional and we can get our players on a bus and on a plane and we've got the support staff to be able to support them and we do travel very well as a club. Now, I, I assume every club has the administration and the organisation and project management skills to be able to get players where they need to be to meet their professional uh, obligations in the AFL, right? I assume every club would have that. But I wonder if, if Essendon out of the AFL clubs does it particularly well. And the other thing too is that, and you might be able to help me with this, is that do we pay for those hotel rooms or does the AFL pay for it? I think the AFL does uh, when it's okay. when it's a forced hub. I think the situation is this, that Sydney had their lockdown three or so weeks ago. So GWS and Sydney had to relocate to Melbourne um, and they've been had a hub for two to three weeks now. Uh, and I think they've had issues with family members getting down to Melbourne and okay. I think they're going to Queensland that may get relief in that situation um, because the two borders are a little bit separate. Um, yep. I, I'm only just guessing, but I reckon there's just a tendency to they get more relief. So they're going to park GW. They're going to park GWS in Sydney there. But the problem is our next two opponents are those two opponents. Yeah. Uh, it's the two Sydney teams, and we just got stuck with that scenario. Now Essendon might argue, well, hang a sec, everyone flies in and out all the time. Like I don't care if we're parked to you. Why? Why can't we fly down? Saturday afternoon, play the game, fly back. You know, and that's because they're probably going to say it's a bloody hotspot down in Melbourne and the, the virus and we're current, locked. Current border restrictions. Now that you're in Queensland, and stuff. so it's, we're we're stuck. But it, boy, we're terribly unlucky. We just, I mean, <laughs> it's it's just crazy that we finally had this this section of the calendar, and we're in the eight. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, to drive despite to, all of this travel, we're in the eight. Yeah, but even so, to drive home a, a, a an on you know a flux of of Marvel games that are just about to happen and not play them what? there. A, a flux, influx, influx. Is influx. That what Ooh, I like it. That's excellent. Well done. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, to have that just at our doorstep while you know while I mean, and honestly, like I was thinking today. GWS and Sydney are finals. Like we actually have to, I was going to talk about this maybe on a later show, but this is a finals coming up. Like the finals start now because these are the teams, especially GWS, these are the team that wants your spot. You've got to beat the team that wants wants your spot. So this week's a final. So that's where I think 
it's a little bit frustrating that we can't play at Marvel with ground we're very much used to. But and I, but we've earned, and, and, we earned a period yeah. there. Yeah, and, and look, it, it's very hard. It's uh, there's a I don't know whether to go into this because I don't know the answer myself, but. Um, Xavier just got hammered today on social media because he did a he did a SEN um, call this morning and and I'm saying this because I don't really know what I think um, and it did it did kind of feel like he was kind of saying no would rather play my Marvel but he he had that sense of the he's of the white flag right just saying but AFL saying you got to do it you know so no, what are we, you can't fight that what are we gonna do. And, and and the argument was from fans that, you know, if this was Eddie, you'd be you'd be screaming through the radio, you'd be like you'd be causing, and we just and we just accepted it just just like that. It's very hard because I, I kind of get both arguments, and 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 I think fans sometimes want us to see a little bit raged and like, no, we're upset, um, and but there's a fine balance to that to not lose focus also of a game coming up that's a final. So there's a fine balance to have not have a victim mentality and in going into a game like, oh, we're going to lose now because we didn't get, get to play. You want to actually get the guys focus ASAP and say, wherever we play, we're going to put up a contest. We can win. It's the, a ground. That's the thing. So it's a very tricky uh, – and um, people might be – through the microphone wanting to slap me right now, but it is a com it is complex because you also have to factor in the player's mindset because you want them focused ASAP of where they're going to play because AFL is going to set the agenda and whether people like it or not, they're going to say you're playing there and you need to get your team not in a victim mentality. Like you're, you're now that this has happened, you're going to lose. You actually have to turn it around and say, Hey, we just won North Melbourne. We know this ground now. We can win this again. Let's go out and win it. And that has to be internally your narrative. Perfectly well said. I guess you, the, the coaches have got to know which size ground they're playing on, which the wind and all that sort of stuff. They, they need to know. Look, don't, don't be under any misunderstandings. I know people will go, Eddie would have done this and Eddie would have done that. There's a lot of things that Eddie Maguire did, and he's no longer president of Collingwood, right? So don't don't use Eddie Maguire as a uh, as too much of a uh, a talisman of what um, Xavier should be doing, because yeah, don't get me started. But um, Eddie, don't don't get me wrong. Eddie could have jumped up and down and used the footy show and footy classifieds to argue and jump and and would have been loud and everybody would have heard him. But if the AFL wanted us to play up there. Since when in the recorded history of yours or my life has the AFL changed their mind because a club's uh, complained? The AFL doesn't change their mind for anybody ever. They do exactly as they see fit and everybody falls into line. Now, if it was Collingwood playing up there, Eddie and anybody else, they could dig up Gordon Coventry and the AFL would say no. All right? So I know, I know everybody wants us to be like, loud and, and get up in, in their face and that sort of stuff. A, that's not Xavier Campbell. It's not his MO. It's not how he operates. And I tell you what, mate, he's doing pretty bloody well as a CEO um, at Essendon at the moment in totally unprecedented in circumstances. And you're right, Scotty. Once he'd, once he'd finished going, well, it's no use banging my head against the AFL because they ain't going to change their mind. 
right? So we could go, I could go on every television show, every footy show, every radio show, and just yell and bitch and scream at the at the AFL. And all it would do would annoy the AFL because they ain't changing their mind. Yeah. So what he's done is like you just said, he's gone fine. It, it's totally unprecedented circumstances. You want us to play on the on the Goldie, we'll play on the Goldie. He could walk into truck and say, Goldie. It's Goldie for the next two, three weeks. Get the boys up for it. But the, then the boys know where they're playing. The boys know about that swirly pocket in the corner that Peter Wright tells them about. <laughs> they know they're playing outdoors. They know they're doing all this sort of stuff. And like you said, they can get their head in a good place. They're up there as best they can. Get their head in as good a place as possible. Know they're playing in the GC for this period of time and have some certainty. Do you know one thing I would do? This is personally me if I'm Xavier, and I'm probably just probably doing it anyway. I would say, hey, fine, we're the sacrificial lamb. We're the one Melbourne team. We we had to do it in Perth. We're now doing it at Gold Coast. I tell you what, guys, AFL, you may you really do want to consider this in the 2022 draw because we ain't copping that interstate barrage again. Uh, and I would, I honestly would, I would say. Fine, we can't dictate what happens now, but you can dictate uh, a fair cop of what how of the Essendon Football Club for next year because we ain't playing six interstates. It, it, you know, it's Collingwood's turn, it's Richmond's turn. Yep, uh, we're doing four or five, <laughs> uh, and 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 we're playing at Marvel, we're playing at the G, and we actually want to draw that. Uh, that I think is a little bit of return in 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 some. In because we've been yeah we've been the club that's 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 helped the AFL out a lot by being up in Queensland, the sole Melbourne club and and at the time I would I would say sorry we deserve something next year, no doubt and our members do and and that's where you have to fight for members and so no we need we need games where members can turn up, we need extra games. Sorry, yep. that's and reality. I hope I hope you're right. I hope he does that next year because that's a fight that that he can have next year. But I I just think. Yeah, look, it'd be great to have him at Marvel and we bloody well deserved it because we earned it. We travelled an inordinately large amount of uh, for this season and Essendon just seems to be the, the AFL's whipping boy um, when problems go wrong. Um, but now I'd be using it as a, as, a, as a stick now for the boys. I'll be out there going, mate, they don't think we can do it. They don't think they're just playing with us at the AFL. Let's just bloody go out of the GC and pump these GWS knobs um, by five to six goals, show them that we can play anywhere. And then when Chairman Dan sorts himself out, we'll go home. But I'd, I'd use it to fire us up where we don't, like you said, that victim mentality. I don't want anybody to say anything of the sort. We know where we're playing AFL football now. You've got a four-star hotel to come back to at night. Sure, your kids and your missus aren't there. But now we know we've got the certainty we're professionals let's put our head down and our rear end up and play the gc as best we can yeah exactly uh so that's it for us uh huge game obviously coming up with gws at gws it's confirmed um gc obviously but it's now sunday actually do right the venue still has not been confirmed (laughs) okay so Uh, yeah great so uh i think i think there's still a bit of talking behind the scenes happening so but they have moved the game from saturday to sunday um, that's important for people to know. There's just no time or venue set yet of what where we're actually going to play. Look, I, I, there's no doubt they're waiting for Wednesday and Thursday. Now that they're in Queensland, they're waiting for Wednesday and Thursday, I reckon, to, just to see 
where the where the landscape is in 48 72 hours and again um, it's not ideal but you can understand why yeah yeah it's just the way it is right so um uh tricky times uh so look thanks everyone for uh we, we actually said to me myself and uh and grant said oh it was a very tricky and kind of not the most exciting game. Was it? How are we going to do forty minutes of this one? Could talk about because. But the other thing, the other thing too, is that like it's you could, and the obvious ones. We don't like. We, we want to. We want to talk about Jakey. We want to talk about the uh, the seven seater air split split Peter Peter. But we did sort of it's a smidge obvious. But how are we going to do? How are we going to do this? Because nobody else played really well. So what are we sitting on? What are we sitting on time wise, Scotty? Fifty three minutes later. So uh... yeah. <laughs> This is the thing. This is the reason why we started our podcast. Seriously, if you said, if you threw a piece of paper at Scott and I and said, David Flood on the piece of paper and <laughs> we just said, about David Flood for go. 50 minutes, yeah. we would talk about David like, and then switch halfway through to Tony Bahaja. Um, we just would start talking about the budge for the next 25 minutes. That's why we love doing the podcast because Scott and I are just banging onto each other either on text or in person like this. Excuse me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> banging on um, in, on text. And we uh, we love talking about this sort of stuff. So we really love that you guys um, enjoy listening to us bang on as well. So, yeah. And uh, thanks again to all our Patreons. You can uh, catch our show on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, hopefully things are improving with Spotify. But if people... If people who listen to us on Spotify can let me know, if they can't see us, then let me know. Uh, this is Scott here uh, on Twitter or whatever, uh, and we'll see if we can uh, try and get it resolved again. Um, outside of that, you can lunch catch up on Twitter. You can you can tweet us. Uh, yep. We're on Instagram. We're on Instagram on the FB page, obviously, Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast. Um, we do two extra shows a week on Patreon. Um, we do a Thursday night team selection show. Um, exclusively for our Patreons, and we do a um, post-game reaction show straight after the game, um, considering we're not at the games anymore. Um, Scotty and I Literally are five minutes them. after the game, yeah, we're talking. Five minutes after the game, we get on, we talk about what we just saw um, and give you rea- our reactions to that game of footy. Um, so get us on uh, Patreon. Um, $3, $3 a month. Easy. Three bucks a month. Um, a lunchtime catch-up podcast forward slash Patreon. Come over there and check us out. We've got a great community, guys and girls. We do um, a little bit more than that as well um, with people on Zoom shows and the like. So um, come over and check us out on Patreon. But um, like you said, Scotty, that's it for this uh, week. Go Dons, GWS next week. Very beatable, minus Toby Green and DeBoer. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And look, uh, just lastly, I understand South Australia's gone into lockdown tonight. Uh, look, obviously, you were probably talking now around about 40 million Aussies in lockdown at the moment, and that's probably a lot of our audience as well. So just from, from myself and Grant, we do wish everyone is coping as best as they can, that their families are well, uh, health is good. Um, try and We'll all try and tough it out. We've all yeah. probably been here before and it's not pleasant, but uh, just wishing everyone on the best and, and you know, Hopefully our shows can and can be a little bit of a, a a side kind of thing to just to just listen to and and get your mind out of things and just yeah let it let listen. it wash over you just uh, like you said Scotty and I love doing it we love banging on about the Essendon Footy Club and we hope you guys uh, can enjoy it just uh, sit back with a glass of red or a uh, a frothy ale or two and just uh, have a listen so thank you everybody for listening and uh, we will talk to you guys next week see you guys. <laughs>